Hey, everyone. We get so many letters and comments and nice things sent our way that we don't get a chance to talk with everyone. We're working on building out the Unqualified website to help, but it's taking a minute. Meanwhile, we wanted to try something a little different. Instead of having a celebrity interview this week, I wanted to focus on listeners as we try to answer your questions and offer some advice, or I don't know, whatever you call it that I give. (laughs) Joining me with some more qualified, practical advice is dating expert coach and matchmaker April Beyer. April has over 20 years of experience helping people find love and make meaningful connections. I was busy making spoof movies at the time. (laughs) Lastly, I want to thank all of you again for listening and sharing our episodes with your friends. Please keep sending us your questions and telling us your stories. Just go to unqualified.com and look for the link. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Now, here is April. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hi, April. How are you? Hi, Anna. I'm doing great. Oh, it's awesome to see you as always. So good to see you. Thank you for doing this. Okay, April, we are going to call Chris. Hello. Hi there, Chris. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. And I'm so happy to be speaking with you, Chris. I got a kick out of your letter and we are here to help. I'm here with April Beyer. She's a dating expert, coach, matchmaker, and the founder of Level, which is an online tech dating resource. So Chris, will you tell us what's going on? Oh, sure. I'm just going to give you a brief summary quick. I've been married three times and divorced, obviously. And the last one lasted 20 years and I've been divorced for two. So I'm looking at, well, how at, at age 60, how can I get back out in the dating thing? I mean, I've been off the market literally for a long time. So, I mean, how do you get back in? I've tried a couple of different dating sites like eHarmony and Zeusk. And anybody I tried to contact through there, I always got crickets. It was like dead air. And some of the people that have contacted me, I'm not really interested in them. So it's really difficult to, I mean, it was difficult before, but it's even more so as, you know, the older I get. And I don't go to clubs unless I'm performing in them, then that's the only time I'm actually in them. I kind of live a sheltered life. (laughs) Chris, I am so happy April is here to help you. If you don't mind, Chris, can I read the part in your letter you wrote? I feel doomed to be alone writing sad, sappy love songs and singing them to my dog, who doesn't deserve that. So please save my dog. (laughs) (laughs) And that really is true. I mean, he's a great listener, but he doesn't deserve that. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, I should tell you, though, maybe you do know this about me. I have never online dated. I've barely dated in my life. I tend to go out on a date and then marry that person. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's interesting. (laughs) So I I am as unqualified as you are. Um, So April, (laughs) April, will you please give Chris some great advice? Oh, hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Wonderful, wonderful. Well, first of all, I guess I want to ask you, you were off the market for more than 20 years. And prior to that, you had two other marriages. So you're really not used to this dating. And by the way, dating at this age. So tell me, what are you looking for now that might have been different when you chose your wife 20 years ago? Well, I mean, what I'm actually specifically looking for is someone who will love me for who I am, support me. And I would like to do that for them in return. I think it's really important that you're always there for each other. So, I mean, not only that, but having communication and things like that. And just to be with somebody that really loves you. When they look at you, you can actually see that love in their eyes. I guess that's kind of, not that I was missing before, but something I kind of would really appreciate now. Right. So you feel like, uh, is it a different woman then that is, if you're on Zeus or eHarmony, is it a different woman that you're seeking? I know you're seeking love. Are there different traits or qualities about this person that are going to be unique to what you've already had? Yes and no. I mean, I'm looking for, I guess, 
someone who is independent, smart, creative. I mean, because I enjoy writing and recording music. So I, I, so someone who's creative, uh, being active, I like being active. I might be 60, but in my mind, I'm 35. So, I mean, I like doing things. I don't, I'm not confined or anything like that or have any health issues, knock on wood. I just would really like to find somebody. I don't know about the music thing because, you know, that only appeals to a handful of people. So. Right. It doesn't have to be music and you'd be narrowing the pool if that's all you were searching for. You said it's dead air and crickets when you're searching. When I send out a message to reach out to somebody, it's usually like I'll say, well, hi, you know, I came across your profile. I just wanted to say hi. Or and then I would add like, I noticed that your nose is in the middle of your face. I, I think that's really cute. So I tried to kind of dress it up a little bit, but I don't know. It might come across creepy, you know? <laughs> Okay, so yeah, don't try to dress anything up. <laughs> I found it charming, Chris, but I, I, I'm not on the sites. <laughs> well, on these dating sites, Anna, what happens when people use humor is sometimes it doesn't read as humor. Oh. So oh, you want to stay away from it. <laughs> but, but April has a point that it is really hard to, I think, communicate humor through text or email. You have to have a vocal intonation to some degree with, with that, don't you think, April? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Save the humor. I feel like as, you know, you're, you're a performer and a creative, you're trying to be a creative and you're trying to perform to attract these people, you want to take that down. And I love what you did, Chris, in the beginning, which is, I just wanted to say hi. And you mentioned something yeah. about her profile that you noticed, right? I noticed that you right. took a picture in front of the Taj Mahal or whatever that is to let her know yeah. that you actually read her profile. And it's better to, with a woman, it's better to comment about her profile than it is her photo. That's good to know. Well, actually, sometimes they didn't even have like a story or a profile, they would just have a picture and just what they did for a living. And so you didn't really have a lot to go on. Generally, you can kind of pick up if you have, they have a story, you can generally pick up on what kind of person they are, if they have a good sense of humor or what kind of person you're talking to. But if they don't have anything, then you're kind of like, well, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and see once what happens. You know, I'm a nice guy. I mean, and it's hard for me to, I don't know. Anyway, so that's my thought on that. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't see, if she's not putting in any kind of effort, Chris, for her profile, where you feel there's limited information there, of course you're going to get crickets because she's not investing any of herself into her own profile. So why would she give you any kind of letter back or anything like that? So you want to only write to those people that you feel have put as much into their profile and their photos as you have. And I would stay away from like the apps. You know, we're talking about age, you're 60. I would go back to eHarmony or Match and try that for a little while instead of some of the apps because you will get that much more information. And usually with eHarmony, because of the way they've set it up, people want to spend a little bit more time writing their profiles, writing to one another. There just seems to be a a higher investment than a quick little dating app. And, you know, eHarmony is pretty thorough. I mean, it, it took me a while to, f- to fill out all the questionnaires and stuff like that. It does make a difference. That's, I mean, maybe I will go back to, to something like that. I was actually going to just give up on a lot of that to begin with. So I, I really don't know if that's really a role for me to even bother. But you, you have brought up some really good points. Well, though. and Chris, you should know, though, too, if it's of any source of comfort. As we've been talking to a lot of our callers over the last few months about online dating and dating during this time, people are tired of the dating services or at least their experience with them. We talked to callers in the past who have this feeling of, like, maybe this isn't for me. I'm confused about why it works for other people. A lot of people don't want to play the game anymore. No, you're right. It's You said the word game, and that's exactly how it's played for a lot of people. They're using it as yeah. a way to, you know, pass time. And, you know, you've brought up in your note, Chris, and also talking with Anna and myself about your age. Anna's right. It doesn't matter. We've talked to people that are 23 and 33, and everybody's having the same problem. So when you're getting no response back, you have to realize a lot of those profiles aren't even real anymore. You know, I always say, if you like her and she's in a public arena, then millions of people like her too. So she might be getting hit with a lot of messages and she's just overwhelmed, right? The person you're writing to. When I say she, I mean a lot of people. 
the whole concept of, of online dating is to realize that nothing is personal. You just have to make sure you're doing your job of making sure your photos look really good and that they're real and they're current and they're flattering to you and they're friendly. Like friendly right now during this pandemic and comforting is really important because everybody's scared. And since people are relying, Chris, on their dating apps and their dating sites more than ever before because they can't get out and meet organically at parties and events and clubs, knowing that should give you some information and some background of some of these people just aren't even checking their messages or you know they're overwhelmed or they don't know how to respond or maybe they met somebody and they forgot to take their profile off. There's all kinds of reasons. So first and foremost, you got to have a little bit of a thick skin. An open sure. mind oh, and yeah. a thick skin, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something right now. Rejection is my middle name. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. Let me tell you. So, I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt my feelings, you know. But, I mean, it all depends on how they reject me, too. So, I mean, if, if somebody was to even write back and say, well, dude, you know, you're old and you're creepy and you're weird. Well, hey, at least I got something to go on. And I know that can change, <laughs> you know. I mean, so, but if you don't get nothing, you don't have nothing to build off of. So, I mean, that's kind of where it's a little frustrating, I guess, you know. And I guess the young kids call it ghosting. And what is what is that? What is ghosting? Ghosting, Chris, is just somebody just not picking up the ball, not calling you back, not writing you back. And that could be, you know, after a message or even a date. It all it means is that people decided not to write back because they're 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 scared. Nobody knows how to confront. You know, we're not taught. I love your early sentiment that you told us that you are ready to give and receive love with somebody who simply wants the same thing. So I think sort of trust in that that people are, are searching for connection. So when you are talking with these people or if you find somebody that you're interested in or as you create your profile, think about those things that people will be drawn to safety. And not necessarily financial security or anything, but like an emotionally safe person, you know? That does make sense. I, I, I fully understand where you're coming from. You know, I, a couple of times I put my profile, you know, I like hiking, kayaking. I like, you know, all this other stuff, but I will not chop wood. So I don't know if that kind of turns people off or not, but I don't chop wood. <laughs> I like it, Chris, because it means that you're willing to sit by a fire. But as you um, do create your profile and stuff, I would definitely make the undercurrent of your entire sentiment with it that you want a relationship. You want a partner to love and, and to look at you with love. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, because you, you can tell when there's a couple, I'm standing there talking to the guy and his wife walks in. And he looks at her with admiration and love. And you know that she's like the best thing that ever happened to her, even after 10 or 15 years of marriage. That's what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? It's just that mutual respect, that deep love that, that you know, you find and you hope everybody finds because it, that really is what it's all about. You know, and that's, and that's, and that's just like, that's, that's it right there. That's oh, what I Chris, want. Chris, I completely agree. I completely agree. I'm happiest um, right now, right at this very moment. <laughs> well, good, good for you. That, I mean, really, that's good for you because, you know, it, if if that's, I hope for you that it lasts you the rest of your life because that's Thank really you. what it's about. Thank you, You're Chris. Welcome. Chris, the best way to get there, you know, everything that you guys are talking about right now is beautiful and it's real and it's what most people want. So if you're going to be in this kind of one-dimensional dating app, dating site space, convey that. And just use those words, Okay. right? Say, I learned a lot from my 20 years of marriage. I'm a relationship guy. I've been out of my marriage for two years. Like, just be straight and authentic, yeah. right? Authenticity wins. So I've been out of my long-term marriage because everybody wants to know what happened, right? You don't have to say that on a dating app. Save that for your first or second date. It's not about your common interests. Those are nice to mention, but nobody chooses anybody because of common interests. They choose somebody to talk to online because somebody wrote something that spoke to them as far as you speaking to her. So if you write your profile in a way of saying, you know, you are someone who like me stays active, you value creativity, you know, you have independence and yet you need someone, you need that partnership because you love that, that support that you get when you're in the right relationship. You're a communicator. Speak directly to her and keep it very clean 
and concise, and you don't need to dress anything up or make it more. Because what I'm hearing is you're so authentic and so deep. If that comes across without trying to kind of entertain or make her laugh, that's what's going to draw her in first in your profile. And don't worry about your age because there are so many women out there that are in your age demo that are looking for love and they can't find it. And they're just as frustrated as you are scratching their heads going, where is Chris? (laughs) Truly they're out there. And it's, it's nice to know because sometimes you wonder, you think to yourself, maybe I should just not do this because it's okay to be alone. I, I don't have a problem being alone. You know, I mean, I can find plenty of stuff to do. Being able to do something with someone, I mean, like just some, something simple, like going for a walk or going to get ice cream or going for a beer and a burger or something, you know, I mean, those things to me are just really nice to share those moments. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. You're saying a lot of things, Chris, that have to do with being in a relationship or marriage. You're not saying, I want to go out and date and meet new people. You're that going for a walk, reading the paper together, going and getting ice cream. That's usually when you're in a relationship, right? So the thing is, you're so used to the rhythm of being married. You're not (laughs) used to being a single person. So my advice is, I know you disqualified some of those women that wrote to you because you said they weren't for you. But if there is a central point of loneliness, why not entertain the idea of some of these women that may not be the perfect end-all be-all and just hang out with them? Go get ice cream with them. Maybe they become a really good friend and they invite you to an outdoor barbecue a week from now and there's suddenly your future partner there. I think you're so used to being in something that you got to get good with being in this kind of in-between space. And I think you're going to find a lot of value in being a single guy for a while and start recognizing who is recognizing you. Because a lot of times people go, I want, and they have the direction going away from them. But we also have to go, wait a minute, who's attracted to me? You know, who's looking at me? Who's looking at my type? Who's responding to my profile? That's something to consider right now, especially now during these difficult times. Fill your cup with interesting, bright, creative women that may not be a romantic partner or your all-time in-the-future partner. Sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I'm still in that rhythm. Even after being divorced for two years and being alone, I, you're right. I, I am in that married-type frame of mind yet. Every time I talk to people who have been married for a long time, they say the same thing you said, Chris. I just want to get up in the morning and I want to read the paper. And I want to, I'm like, well, that's great. You're in a relationship now, but there's something that happens before all of that, which is going and hanging out with people with, with getting your eye off the target. And that's when you're going yeah. to find the most fun, the most engagement, keeping it light and airy. Love will find you. You actually don't need to go on a profile and say, I only want this. You know, just say, look, I'm, I'm interested in meeting new people right now and getting to know people that are smart and creative and, and lovely and know how to communicate well. Don't think in terms of the next 5, 10, 15 years. Just think about today. <laughs> but I mean, usually I don't let my age bother me, and it doesn't. I mean, I'm thankful that I made it this far. But um, realistically, I always feel like time's running out. <laughs> You're only 60, Chris. So don't let your age be the motivation for what you do, because there's an 80-year-old guy sitting around right now going, God, that guy, Chris, he's such a young pup. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're probably right. Right. So relax about the age, because right now, like women, I, are you dating women in their 50s right now? No, I haven't gone out on a date at all. As a matter of fact, my ex-wife and I are good friends, so every once in a while we go out to eat. I like that. <laughs> we get along really good. I'm, I'm glad we do because I don't like animosity or stuff like that. It, it, life's too short for those type of feelings and emotions. I don't, I don't want to make time for that. I'm glad and thankful that we do get along, but there comes a point when you think 
it's time to move on to that next step. So that's why when you said that, you know, I'm stuck in that married 20 years married phase. Yet. And it, that's so true. That really is true. Yeah. Get to know who you are without a partner. That's valuable time. Yeah. I'm not worried that you're not going to find somebody. What's most concerning to me is that you're not willing to just kind of not be lonely, but just have these sort of smaller kind of baby step relationships. It could be a day. It could be an hour. It doesn't have to be something that fulfills the next chapter of your life, right? So let those people and those moments be a bridge. Find out who you are without having to consult with someone. This is a golden time for you that's going to not only benefit you, but it's going to benefit the next woman you choose. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And you know, I also have a bad habit of uh, of wearing my heart out of my sleeve. I mean, I just, I got to stop doing that too, because I don't think that's a good idea, you know? Well, wearing your heart on your sleeve, to me, should be, you're honest, you're real, you're transparent, you're kind to yourself, you're kind to the people you're around, and you're real. But a lot of times people will label, I wear my heart on my sleeve, because they act in ways that are truly way too vulnerable in front of strangers. Right. And they're not considering their audience. So I can sit around and, and, and share all of my war wounds and past experiences with you, and I can call it wearing my heart on my sleeve. But if I'm not paying attention to somebody's eyes glazing over or the person I'm with is, is fearful of what I'm telling them or if it's too soon, oh. then I'm not really being as authentic as I am because I'm not considering the person who I'm with. So it's fine to be honest and real with these people, but just catch yourself. Look at her when you're talking to someone and realize, okay, wait a minute. Is that too much? Is that too fast? Is that too soon? And you can even say to somebody, did I go too far? You know, I'm sorry. I'm new at this. When you tell women, hey, I've been, I'm a marriage guy. I'm a relationship guy. I've been married for 20 years. You'll have to forgive me. I'm not up on all of this dating stuff. I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. If you say that in advance and not on bio, but in person, you get a lot of leeway. You get a lot of forgiveness because they go, oh, how sweet. It's almost endearing. Like, oh, okay, good. He's not this slick dating guy that's going out with 20 women a month, right? He's more authentic. Well, that's good to know that, you know, women are open to that. Not just open to it, Chris. I think it's necessary. My fiance is an incredibly honest, unmanipulative person. And I can't tell you how that reassures me and how much I love that quality. He shared in a very honest way a lot with me up front in a calm, (laughs) nice way. And it was a new kind of partner in my life that I think I didn't know I was drawn to, which I'm getting actually a little bit wistful right now. I might have to stop talking. <laughs> but um, sorry, guys. But <laughs> I'm taking it all in. I'm drinking it all up because it's like, it's giving me a lot more insight of things that I wasn't really aware of. So, I mean, I like being honest. I like being upfront. I like being transparent. I don't like playing games. You know what, Chris? I haven't heard April be very specific in the past when talking to other people about sites. And this time, I believe, April, you mentioned eHarmony, which I clocked that. And I was like, wait, April's recommending this. Site. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> she must believe this. <laughs> well, I don't like eHarmony for everyone. Um, a lot of people are very frustrated with eHarmony because they do make you jump through so many hoops. And there's a lot of men that are not drawn to eHarmony. Women tend to be more drawn to it. Women in their 50s tend to be more drawn to eHarmony than other sites and maybe match, but especially eHarmony, I think because it has more of a kind of psychological scientific background and there's so many questions to answer and there's more room to express yourself because of who you are. That's the only reason why, Anna, I'm telling Chris to try it again and to put all of his eggs in that basket because of who he is. So everybody has to find the site that reflects and resonates with them. I'm kind of taking into consideration age and his his attitudes and his characteristics, the depth in which he's speaking. That's what I assumed is because, Chris, he does want a relationship. Sure. But I, I like it that April is suggesting this particular one for you. I'm not a big dating app fan, by the way, and Anna knows this. It's just right now, during this time, I think it's kind of okay to lean in on some of those. But even now, 
Chris, don't lean on it so much that you're on it every single day because what happens is when you're getting crickets back, it's going to make you feel even more isolated and it's going to make you want to give up. So just kind of use these as a side dish. Maybe check, you know, put up a nice profile. Don't put up more than three photos. Make sure your photos are clear, clean. Have a neighbor or a friend take a couple of iPhone photos of you in the yard. Just how you would look when you first walk in that door to have lunch with her or dinner with her at a cafe. You don't need to do like, here's me playing golf or here's me hiking. Only how you're going to look when you walk through that door. Keep it simple. And then only check every couple of days. Don't make this something that you're at all day, every day. Yeah, because I, I mean, when I was on some of these websites, I was doing it. I was checking every day and I was starting to develop a phobia. And I'm like, this, ain't, this can't be good. It's you too know? much. And so, yeah, it's too much. Exactly. And then I'm like, you know, then I started backing away. And I'm, that's when I started thinking, you know. I don't know about this, but you know, to your point on a, about being a romantic, I write love songs all the time, and you can't write a good love song if you're not a romantic. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it, just, it does not work, you know. <laughs> it comes out really funny. Let me tell you. <laughs> all right, so Chris, baby steps, baby steps to the big okay. goal. Baby steps. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Chris, thank you so much. Truly, thanks for talking with us. Thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I love talking to you. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay, let's call Bridget. Hello. Hi, Bridget. It's Anna. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, yeah. I am here with April Beyer. She is a dating expert. She's a coach. She's a matchmaker. And she's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, April. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Good. I love you both. Thank you so much. Oh, Bridget, tell us what's happening. Well, I am finding myself in a really tough situation right now. I've been single for a long time, maybe, you know, five years or so. Um, I live in a really small town. So, you know, there's not a lot available here um, by way of the dating pool. (laughs) I was laid off recently because of COVID and I'm looking for work and I'm kind of broke I don't have much of a social life anymore. You know, I keep in touch with my family a lot and I love them and I don't want to come off sounding complainy or ungrateful for for all the great things I do have in my life. However, I am very lonely and very bored. (laughs) I keep myself busy during quarantine with all kinds of projects and stuff, but I really just want companionship. I want someone that I can sit on the couch with and watch TV or go to a museum someday when I can go to a museum or just hang out with somebody to share my life with. I've had a lot of kind of different types of relationships. I've had longer serious relationships and quicker fling type things over the years, but I just want to find someone now to settle down with, and I'm finding it very, very difficult. I've been on and off all of the dating sites, literally all of them, at least once. There's just not a lot around here, and, you know, I change my parameters so that I'm looking in Chicago or looking in my hometown or or different areas where there's more people. It's just not really working out for me. And I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong or what I could change so that I can meet people. Bridget, do you mind if I read a sentence from your email? Yes. I've been on every dating app there is basically over the course of the past 10 years. And I've literally been on hundreds of first dates. You can't even count anymore. Oh, Bridget. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) It's embarrassing, but it's true. (laughs) So April, with someone like Bridget, who has been on a lot of dates, and especially during this time, how do you approach that? I mean, Bridget, you should know, I think I've been on two first dates, and I'm not even sure they were dates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a a roller coaster, and I I could tell you some good stories, that's for sure. (laughs) I'm sure. Well, I guess my first question to you is, let's say you've gone on a hundred first dates. Mm -hmm. What I always want to ask when I hear that number, and it may or may not be, you know, that many, 
But mm-hmm. why didn't they turn into second dates? Who's who's declining who? Are you deciding that there's not anything for a second date or the guys you're meeting or have met? Some of them did. It runs the gamut. So some of them did, but I get your point. I think that most of the time it's me saying, yeah, this isn't what I'm looking for. This person is not on the same level as me. I'm looking for someone with a job and with some semblance of intelligence. And and I, I'm not like condescending or judgmental about these people. I just, they're just not clicking with me. And um, I'm looking for something kind of specific. And I've been called picky before, but I prefer to be picky because I know what I'm looking for and I know what will make me happy. At least I have an idea. Okay. So let's talk about picky. I'm assuming these are your friends or family members telling you that you might be too picky. Yeah. I get a lot of feedback from my mom. (laughs) I try to be honest with her, but Bridget, you should have seen April's face just then. (laughs) (laughs) I can, we can, we can see each other over zoom and she's like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I do talk to my mom and very close with her. And I tell her a lot of things, but I don't tell her everything for sure. And I've learned over the years, especially in my family, my cousins and everything agree. You can tell our moms that we're dating someone, but as soon as you do, they latch on and they want to know, oh, who is he? You know, bring him home and, and can I meet him? And what's his name? And what does he do? And it's one of those kinds of families. So <laughs> she has good intentions, but. <laughs> do you feel better or worse after talking with your mom when it comes to your personal life? When you hang up the phone, do you feel uplifted or more stressed? Uh, usually more stressed. <laughs> I get the closeness of family, but you're in your 30s, right? Yeah, I'm 34. Okay, so you're 34. I get it. I used to tell my mom everything, Bridget. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> you, you, you get to a point in your life where you have to assert your own boundaries, even with parents and especially mothers, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they care. They want to see you happy. They're invested in your health and your joy. But if you're feeling less than after a phone call, you have to refrain from, from sharing so much. And what you need to do in advance is say this, if you don't mind. Can I give you like a little tip for your mother? Please. Okay. You can tell your mom that you love her. I don't know the relationship and that you appreciate her inquiry and that you appreciate her asking about your personal life and that you are definitely feeling ready and that you're selective and you don't want to just choose just anybody and that you are fine. And that if you meet somebody of note, somebody that's worth talking about, she'll be the first person you call <laughs> and that you request that she doesn't ask you because mom, when you ask me if I'm seeing anybody Or what happened on that date, it makes me feel more pressure and it makes me feel Mm -hmm. like I'm failing. So can you do me a favor? When we talk, let's talk about everything else under the sun. But when it comes to my personal life, I'm working on something right now. And I just need you to know that I'm okay. I need you to just refrain from asking me about any guys that I might be dating right now. Can you do that for me, mom? And literally make a request in advance and hold back from sharing how much pain you're in. When you share your pain with people who love you, all they want to do is make it better. And sometimes it's to your detriment because it's pressure. It's like, well, is he coming home for dinner? Is he going to be a Thanksgiving guest? Like, who is he? Who is he? Can we meet him? Can we meet him? And it could be just somebody you went out with once. And what are you going to do? You're going to feel deflated. Yeah. It's you also standing on your own two feet and realizing you're a fully grown woman and that you are in charge of your own joy and your happiness. And our Mm -hmm. moms are great. But at this point in life, now that you've ventured into your 30s, you got to just kind of pull yourself up and manage this without her because it sounds like she's running into fear and scarcity, and that's not good for you. Part of the problem or part of the thing that's really difficult for me is that I'm the oldest in my family, and I already know that you're going to say you shouldn't compare yourself to people, and it's not a race. And that's absolutely true, but I have a really hard time with that. My younger sister is married. She has a house. She has a wonderful husband who we love and is part of the family. And she is having a baby in a couple weeks, (laughs) which is really exciting. And I wish nothing but the best for her. And I'm, I'm so grateful for her friendship with me and, you know, being my sister. 
Um, but I'm, I'm jealous and I can't help it. My younger brother is dating a girl that he is likely going to marry someday. And he owns a condo in the city and he's really cool. And, you know, both of them have careers that they're working on. And I feel just a little bit inadequate. I feel like I'm single. I'm in my thirties. I'm broke. (laughs) I don't have a career anymore. And I struggle with that. It's definitely a self-esteem issue. I think it definitely, though, speaks to April's suggestion about your relationship with your mother. Whatever our perceived notions of what we're supposed to do at what age in life and how those societal pressures weigh down on us, they're impossible to escape, Bridget. But I imagine that you feel the weight of your mom's pressure, whether she is intentional or unintentional about it, that makes complete sense that it would be hard for you to not compare. But having said that, oh my God, you are so lucky. They are going to be up at all hours of the night, all of them, like super stressed out. You get to be the fun aunt. I know. Oh my God. (laughs) It took me like a decade to realize that sometimes looking at women's magazines made me feel really bad. I was like, why do I feel (laughs) I feel horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it just speaks to April's point about setting boundaries with your mom. Mm-hmm. It just speaks to that idea even more so that that while you love your mom, she's more invested in your love life right now because it's more exciting or getting you settled is like her final accomplishment mm-hmm. or whatever. So setting those boundaries, I love it that April's like totally zeroed in on that because I do think it's um it seems crucial in your health and to protect your relationship with your siblings too and and your mom, everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about asking yourself, what was their journey and what is yours? Because clearly they felt settled in order to do those things, right? Maybe they knew their career trajectory. Maybe they felt settled early on as far as wanting relationship and marriage and family. And even though you say you want it, maybe you took a different train and you'd made different career choices. So instead of just comparing their success to what you feel is your failure, why don't you just make note of, wait a minute, how am I different from them? Mm -hmm. What did I choose early on that they didn't? Because, you know, like a lot of women, forget about siblings, a lot of women in their 20s and 30s, and you know this, Anna, they start to look at their friends and like, well, wait a minute, you know, Kathy's getting married and so forth. And it happened to me. I didn't get married until I was 40. Mm -hmm. But if I had gotten lost in comparing my journey to all of my friends or what the media was telling me, and remember, I was a matchmaker in my 20s, so that was even worse. (laughs) Instead, I just went, wait a minute, what did I choose? What path did I choose? Like, I didn't want to be married until I was older. I wanted that time for evolution and growth, right? Without attaching my my wagon to someone else's life. So it's really just about like, what is my track? What were my choices in career? Because sometimes career safety equals how ready you are to combine your life with a partner. Yeah. So can we look at that just for a second? Because I, I think it'll help you with the compare game. I think that I always had, and this stems from um, my parents as well. My parents got married very young and had all their children before they were 25 and still together in a loving relationship. And they're awesome people. And I always wanted that. I always thought that I would be married when I was really young and I would find the perfect person right away. And it's very unrealistic to think that you can just kind of, you know, assume something into being. (laughs) But I always wanted that. So that's the hard part in hearing what you're saying is that I did want to get married really young and I wanted to have children. But Bridget, it's not much of a comfort, but there's a lot of people right now that between job and loneliness and and the stress of like the people that we can be around, they're going through their own stresses as well. And, you know, it's usually our family. So. <laughs> That does not make for always a relaxing time. (laughs) Just know that you're not alone, that there's a lot of people out there. I love April's advice about setting boundaries with your mom. I think that's it's a great kind of first step in terms of opening up your world. And I think that before analyzing maybe anything within like your dating history or like where am I off track or where are they off track – 
I think earlier you said that you know exactly what you want and you know what makes you happy. And I wonder if that's a pretty limiting way to look at things potentially. Mm-hmm. I think that being particular could also be, is that another way of letting yourself off the hook or like letting yourself not consider somebody? Like, you know how you can label a child as shy and then therefore they will start to adopt those shy personality traits. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. April, when you have clients that are like, I'm very picky, or or they say, I know what I want, what do you say to them Like when you first meet them? Well, I actually just was about to post this morning on my Instagram account that said, um, toss your list, it's keeping you single. Um, <laughs> because I, I hear this a lot. And so I think it's important to define what is picky. So when you are being labeled as picky, a lot of people go, damn right, I'm picky. You know, I want what I want. But I think there's a difference between picky and selective. So that's what I want to learn more about. There's so many things going on here because it's virtually impossible to have a low self-esteem and be selective at the same time. You can have a low self-esteem and be picky. And to me, picky is more granular. It's more mm, you're making quick decisions that people aren't for you and you're finding fault in people because you're finding fault in yourself. So when your cup is really full and you have really great confidence and self-esteem and you know who you are and you feel good about who you are, despite the pandemic, despite the fact that you're renting, despite the fact that you've been laid off, you still feel really good about yourself. Then what happens is the selective part of you gets higher and it becomes more about I need the values that I have. I need sort of the career path or the educational path that I chose, right? And then you start to kind of dismiss some of the picky little things in people. Earlier on, you said, I want somebody with a job. I want somebody with intelligence, right? That's not picky. That's just you saying, I want somebody who's motivated. I want somebody who's intellectually curious, Mm -hmm. right? I want to be able to have communication and banter with someone. That's not too picky. But when you have People around you, we want to consider the source, right? We want to find out who is telling us that we're picky. For example, and I don't want to keep beating the drum of your mom because I'm sure she's amazing, (laughs) but you know, your mom had the whole deal all packaged up with a bow on it by 25. So she can't relate to a woman, even though it's her own daughter, 10 years older than she was when she'd already cranked out all of her babies, right? So (laughs) you have to surround yourself with other women who are a little older who maybe took a different path and maybe waited, and so who have some more breadth of experience of waiting or being more selective, right? So to your mother, if you haven't found your husband and partner and had your children by 25, that's mysterious to her. That's scary to her, right? Mm -hmm. She doesn't know how to communicate that to you. So that we have to kind of shift and change. But the pickiness is what I really want to kind of pull at right now, because I will be able to tell you if you really are truly being picky, Mm -hmm. or if I back you 100% and say, you know what, Bridget, you're on it, you're being selective, I like it. So can we just (laughs) talk about like, just give me, give me five things that people tell you that you're too picky about. 
Yeah. Um, and, and just to preface that, I might be the one that's telling myself that I'm picky. <laughs> Self-conversations. We love those. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have a type. I don't have like, um, I'm looking for a guy with blonde hair or I want someone who does this kind of work. Because honestly, I've been really open-minded about a lot of that stuff. I've tried to date people across the gamut and I'm not placing boundaries <laughs> maybe in places where I should be. But I am looking for someone who has a job, even though I don't have a job, and I totally get the hypocrisy of that. (laughs) And I'm looking for someone who is funny. I'm looking for someone who has as much interest in investing himself in what I do, as well as, you know, myself in what he does. I'm looking for someone who wants to learn and grow in life and not um, just kind of sit around all day and be content with whatever already exists. Um, so those are the kinds of things I'm looking for. That sounds good to me. That sounds very reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to go too deep into this, but you know, there's something about being firstborn that really influences and it impacts your choices later in life with your partners and even your career path. I have a feeling that even though you say you wanted to be a mom, you know, a wife and a mother early, early on, I'm wondering if it was so much of a desire or it was more of just sort of an assumption, right? Because firstborn usually has more responsibility. Mm -hmm. My husband was firstborn and his parents were in their twenties when they got together. And so he actually got married later in life than his younger brothers did. And it's because he Mm -hmm. had this enormous weight of responsibility. And I think internally he knew that his parents were really young when they got started. Mm -hmm. And so what it made him do is it made him more independent. Um, He's definitely on his own track in life as far as what he decided to do. Nobody could influence him. He did, you know, get married a little earlier, but it was it was pressure. It was family pressure, society pressure, community pressure. And it was a mistake. But I'm wondering if, like, everything you're talking about, you know, the investment in oneself, the investment in one's career, intelligence, curiosity, that growth mindset, a lot of people who choose to get married really, really, really young aren't necessarily growth-minded. I don't want to make a blanket statement, but people who are real growth-minded, which I'm assuming you are, which is why you want that in somebody else, I think you're more independent than you give yourself credit for. I think you're more curious. And when you're curious, it's more about, well, I want to grow. I want to see the world. I want to invest in my career and my education. And I want to do all these cool things. And I don't want to just choose the first person that comes along. And in my world, Bridget, you're young. You know, you're 34. And so, like, if I were matching, I would, I, I usually only start looking at women around 34, 35 to meet and marry my clients because I know that they know who they are. I've been responsible for hundreds of relationships and marriages in my career, and none of those women were under 30. (laughs) So first and foremost, can we just give yourself a little bit of a break and a breath that you still have so much road in front of you? You're not missing out on anything. What we have to figure out is not how to date. We have to figure out how to fill your cup back up with confidence and figure out what your value is. Because right now you're saying things like, well, I can't choose a guy with a job because I don't have one. Well, you couldn't help that there was a pandemic. I mean, how many millions of people are out of work because of this thing? A lot. (laughs) You know, if I tied myself worth to whether or not I get a client or my company fails, I'm done. You know, all throughout this pandemic, my company has been in constant need of a pivot and a shift because of this, right? And I poured all of myself, including my own investment into my company, but I only associated myself with being a coach or being a matchmaker, and let's say that was taken away from me, who would I be? So you have to figure out what you bring to the table internally. Like, who are you? What are those traits that you have always had since you were a little girl that nothing, no health crisis or economic crisis or relationship crisis can take that away from you? What are those things, Bridget? Well, I can answer that question very easily. However, it makes me a little nervous because I don't feel that any of the traits that I have been born with or like the characteristics that I've developed since I was a little kid, I don't feel that any of them are financially or fiscally valuable, Um, but I love to do what I love to do, and and that's art. I love art. I love music. I love um, 
working on projects and I always have something I'm working on. And ever since the pandemic started, honestly, it's given me like a chance to really develop all of that. Um, I opened a shop for myself on Etsy and I've been selling my artwork on there, which I, I think is really Bridget, exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. It's really been like revealing about myself and the time throughout the day that I have, I spend doing whatever I want and, you know, I'm looking for work and stuff like that. So I'm trying to keep disciplined, but I get to do whatever I want all day long, every day. And I don't have someone breathing down my neck <laughs> telling me what to do or the deadline or whatever. So it's kind of been really, you know, interesting to me. Well, Bridget, what were you doing before that you got, what was the job you got laid off from? You don't have to tell us the company or anything, but what were you doing? Yeah, I was working in an exhibit house for, you know, trade shows and conventions. I was designing and building um, hanging signs, giant pieces of fabric on frames that went up in a convention center. Um, so now that conventions aren't happening, that's, that's why we went under. So did you love it? Yeah. Did you love what you were doing? I loved it. And it was really surprising how much I loved it because I was in inventory, which is not a creative field at all, but I found a lot of creativity in it myself. And just the way that I ran the department, it was enlightening. <laughs> so quickly, while this is on my brain, because Anna knows this about myself, if I don't say it, I'm going to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so creativity is one of your core traits, right? Yes. Think about it this way. Being laid off gave you the ability to do what you really love, like not just a competency, but your like your core talent. You opened up a shop on mm -hmm. Etsy, right? How exciting is that <laughs> that you might not have had time for before? So right now this is giving you a the space to do what you really love. But also, when I asked you about your early traits, you immediately went to fiscally viable. So that tells me yeah. you are tying your self-worth to what is fiscally viable, either to yourself or to your friends or your family or to loved ones. You think that money equals confidence. You have to change that like today because I didn't ask you whether or not what you do brings money. I said, what are your core traits? Mm -hmm. Who were you when you were a little girl? Those traits that you have that you are dismissing that you don't think are viable or important enough are probably the ones that I would tell you are the most important for a guy, uh -huh. for friendships, for anything. And so if you have assigned the wrong definition to your traits, you could be on a real slippery slope of being depressed or feeling less than. Mm -hmm. So you didn't actually answer me. You went immediately to, I'm afraid to speak my traits, April, because they're they're not necessarily anything that is financially or fiscally viable. Mm -hmm, Do you see right. the difference? I'm asking for something core and deep and about personality. And you went right to money and what you do. I didn't ask what you do. I said, who are you? Absolutely. And yeah. this, is, this is your piece. This is the key that's going to unlock the door. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Anna, do you mind if I ask again? Like, <laughs> I love it, April. Okay. What is it? Like, tell me, tell me just who were you when you were a little girl? Like, who were you with your friends? Like, who, who were oh you? Gosh. Who are you still? Just traits. Don't, you don't have to go into story. <laughs> okay. I was a daydreamer. I was a doodler and still am all these things. A project person. Sometimes my parents would walk into my room and see me sitting on the floor 
with just stuff around me, just like glitter and pencils and crayons and scissors and glue. And it's evolved a little bit, but I'm still that person. I still love to just spread out with my stuff around me and go to work. And were you social? Uh, were you integrated into the community and your friends? Like, Yeah, I was bubbly. I was talkative. I was active. Um, I played a lot of sports. I wasn't very good at them, but I played them. <laughs> I liked my friends. I liked people. That changed a lot when I grew up, I think. I think my self-esteem took a hit in like high school. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was always really bubbly and outgoing and chatty. Why did your self-esteem take a hit in high school? Because high school is important. That can actually derail us or build us back up for who we're supposed to be. It's like it's one or the other usually, right? Like high school can just do a number. Yeah, it definitely derailed okay, me. Okay, so can you give us just like a quick little synopsis yeah, of that? Yeah, I started struggling with depression in high school with um, chronic depression. And I'm not going to get into details or anything, but it was just a really rough ride. And I struggled with my faith a little bit. I left the church that I had grown up in. And I think all of it happened for a reason. And all of it taught me something about myself. But it was really, really hard to go through. And it took me maybe 10 years to kind of pick up the pieces and move on. And you got help and support with that, I hope? Yes, I did. I've been in therapy for 15 years. <laughs> okay. You know, when you say I was doodling, I was daydreaming, I was always working on projects. My parents would find me with glitter. You know, it's very difficult to be a creative very young in the way that you were and also do everything else because it requires kind of being in your room by yourself. Mm -hmm. When I was a little girl, my parents used to say, what's wrong with April? She won't you know, come out and watch TV with all of us. I was in my room playing and writing and creating. And like, I would be in there for hours to the point where my parents thought like, maybe she needs a shrink, <laughs> you know, like what's going on with her. And it's because my room was everything, right? It was a place to, to build and create and do things. And so we have to remember who that is because I think a lot of times in life, things and people can squash that. So you are in the truest sense of the word, a creative. You're kind of visionary. And I think you have had a hard time blending the worlds of art and money. And a lot of times the art doesn't bring us the money. <laughs> and if the art is really true and the spirit, you have to stay with that and understand that, okay, so the finance, I don't need the art to bring me financial security. Because the art mm -hmm. is just me. That's my core. And you have to lean into that even more because I think that's where ultimately your success is going to come if you just dive into the love of it as opposed to the money of it. Now, we all need to make a living. I get it. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you don't get to ask for a guy that has a job. But what I think you need is somebody who is longing to be with somebody creative. And somebody who also is invested in what is important to him. You're not going to be good with a guy who just makes money doing something he hates. I don't think you're going, I don't care right. how much money he makes. I think you need a guy who's just as deeply passionate about what he does as you are. Mm -hmm. And let go. You know, sometimes when you put your eye too much on the target of something, it keeps moving. Can you just let go of the financial picture for now? Understand that millions of people are in the same boat of being unemployed. That has nothing to do with whether or not you are viable in a relationship. Mm -hmm. A guy doesn't look at you and think, well, how much money does she have in the bank? Well, is her art making her money? As long as you're proud. I had to tell my husband, if my career doesn't change one iota from here on out, please know that I'm deliriously happy that I love what I do and I wake up every morning excited to do it right? Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with money. And the more I take my eye off the target of money, the more money I make. Because I think this is getting in your way of not only your career, but your guy. Anna and I both heard you. We don't think you're being too picky. I've only been quiet because I've been wanting to be like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said the word funny in your wish list of people. And I've always just loved and admired Anna's career. And now that I know her a little bit more personally and she's as funny, you know, off camera as she is on, she's just inherently funny. To me, funny comes from emotional intelligence. 
It comes yes, from absolutely. great people who are funny are highly sensitive people. What else does it mean, April? <laughs> Should I go on? So I feel like there's a but. No, there's no but. You know, it's harder to make someone laugh than it is to cry because we laugh more than we cry. So what I'm trying to say is instead of going out and saying, like, I want a funny guy, what we're looking for is we're looking for somebody who has that emotional intelligence, somebody who's curious, right, and mm -hmm. who has joy in his life. So it's deeper than just, oh, you just want a funny guy, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. so much deeper than what we give it the title for. I want him to have a job. No, it's better than that. I want him to have something that drives him, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That curiosity. Artistic people are curious people. So you mm -hmm. need a curious guy. And if he's invested in his own life and his own passions, trust me, he's going to be invested in yours. We can't appreciate in others what we don't already appreciate in ourselves. So I don't think you're being too picky. I just think that you've held yourself back out of the race. You're thinking finance first before everything else. And I'm saying switch mm -hmm. the order and the money will come. Right. And you kind of gave me an idea, which you're probably going to laugh at the obviousness of this, but I need to be looking for someone creative, <laughs> which is not something I was really doing. I was just kind of flipping through and, and deciding whether I thought they would work for me. But I need to be looking for creativity as a trait. As a trait, but not as a job. Good, good, good. But make sure you don't equate it to he's got to be a writer, a painter, a designer, an actor. A right. It's about how creative is he in his life? People who are entrepreneurial are creative, right? Mm -hmm. Like if somebody started their own career, their own job, their own company, especially now, anybody who has a business is pivoting mad right now. Like they're just like bringing out all their creative juices. So make sure you don't just put it in the pocket of his career is creative, but how creative is he in his career? That's right, the distinction. Right. Okay. And I'm learning that as well by trying to reevaluate my own situation and figuring out how I can be creative in a different field or a different industry than I'm used to. So Yes, I love that. Yeah. Right. And also too, you know, um, going back to your brother and sister, unless they took the same track, unless they have the same exact character traits that you do, unless they took that same path of creativity, you cannot compare yourself to them and the outcome of their relationships or the condos they own or the babies they're having. Okay. They're different. They're your siblings, but they are different. Each of us have a different soul, no matter how many siblings we have. Right. And I'm very different from my siblings. So <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So if you're really different from your siblings, why would you expect the same outcome? <laughs> and I'm different from my parents too. I'm, I kind of see myself as being an anomaly in my family. <laughs> Yeah, you are. You're the outlier, which is great, which means you're going to have everything you've ever wanted. It's just going to come later. If I told you that all of your dreams were going to come true, your creative dreams, your dreams of being a wife and a mom were going to come true, but maybe mm -hmm. they're five years down the road. What would you do in the meantime? How would you spend your time? Would you waste it being depressed and sad and anxious and feeling like you're falling behind? Or would you dig in and go, hey, it's going to happen, but right now I'm going to fill my <laughs> life with everything I love and adore and get my Etsy shop going and, and enjoy the dates that I do have. And if they're not right for me, that's okay. Like, I'll just let that kind of roll off my back. It, wouldn't that give you a little bit more breath in your body if I said it's yes, coming? Absolutely. That's inspiring, truly. <laughs> You just need more patience with yourself, right? And and the day that people stop telling you or yourself that you're too picky is the day you've arrived. <laughs> okay. All right. That makes sense. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really helpful. <laughs> Thank you so much. April, I love that you focused on and you pull the threads and you look at a large picture you know, Bridget went on a lot of dates and is picky to like maybe set some boundaries with your mom, Bridget, <laughs> and like throw your energy into your new Etsy store <laughs> and approach love as it comes. Well, it's a simplified way of saying it, but yeah, absolutely. you're you're 100% correct. I think when we just go a little deeper and say, here are the traits I'm looking for, it isn't picky. The boundaries are with ourselves and with others. 
And also what happened in the past is no longer today. Comparison is a is an evil thing, right? We compare the past with the present. We compare our siblings to us. We compare our friends to us. It's really tough. You got to put your blinders on. This is why they put blinders on horses during horse races, right? They want to focus on what they're doing. Stop looking what everybody else is doing. You are unique. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's Dr. Helen Fisher. She wrote a book called Why Him, Why Her? You should get that book. You will resonate with a lot of the traits that she talks about and why mm-hmm. your future partnership is probably going to be a bit more delayed than others. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, you might end up having a baby with a guy that already had a kid, or maybe you meet somebody later in life. If I had a dime for everybody that came to me and said, here's what I want. I want to be married by this age, April. I want to have you know, three children in the 2.5 car garage. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. You know, <laughs> sorry, but life yeah. doesn't come with a blueprint. You know, <laughs> I have helped so many people get married and it was the opposite of what they said, or the person that said they didn't want kids met somebody who wanted them. And then they had them not because they had to, because they wanted to, or the person that said that they Mm -hmm. couldn't, they ended up having them later, despite physical challenges. They did have a baby. So much is possible, but you just have to be open-minded and you have to, like I say in every call, it's get your eye off the target because life is happening around us. Oh, 100%. That's very true. Bridget, thank you so much for talking with us today. You always give me a lot to think about, April. (laughs) Thanks, Anna. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So, Bridget, um, I hope that we gave you some food for thought. Will you please be in touch with us? Yeah. Let us know how things are going. Absolutely. I want to check out your Etsy store. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I would love to have you look at it. That'd be great. Okay, cool. I'll I'll get Michael Sherman, one of our producers, to get your info. Thank you both. Have so a wonderful much. rest of your day, thank and you. thank you so much. You're welcome, Bridget. Take good care. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. April, you are just. I've learned so much today. I feel like we're on the same page, and in many ways, you're much more forgiving and nurturing and accessible. I think that's what's so cool about this is that everybody comes to the table with a different perspective and that's what they're getting. They're getting your point of view and my point of view. And it's, I think it's collaborative and, and really good. I think it's such a great balance and truly I can't thank you enough. I love doing these callers with you. I'm so happy to be with you. Honestly, truly. I can't wait to finally meet you one day. Me too. April, thank you again for um, talking with us, for your amazing advice, your amazing counsel. All of our callers and myself are (laughs) truly grateful. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, you're so, so welcome. It's been amazing, amazing as always to be with you. Thank you so much, Anna. All right. Bye, April. Bye-bye. 